I'm really not sure, guys. You know, I, I've got this good friend here in town whose uh, name is Joel Morris, and uh, Joel uh, actually is an old one of my earliest media buddies from Salt Lake City. He was in radio and TV. He ran a big agency for a long time called Media Max in Salt Lake, and uh, he's cleaning out his closet, so he dumps all <laughs> all of his old radio and TV paraphernalia on me. So I have mugs from. Uh, you know, from uh, from Westwood One and from Turner Broadcasting, and he gave me this uh, radio, you know, the old radio thing. And then today, uh, he gave because we talked about Dick Norris last week, who was the anchor on KSL TV. Yeah, he came up with this beautiful glass ball. It's sandblasted. That's got KSL's logo on it, but it's really kind of fun. And uh, you know, I guess at some point KSL thought they were a worldwide important television station. I've got one of those. Um, you do. I do. I do. I think I stored it here. Now here it is. I've got my hey. very own. There All you go. Right. Okay. Who's <laughs> <laughs> your daddy? Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, we, you know. I was. I was. Uh, I was very big at Broadcast House for a couple of years. You know. So I know you were. Yeah. My I... pals at KSL Five, they took care of me. You know. I got the Olympics parka. I've got, uh, you know, all sorts of Olympics <laughs> paraphernalia. Uh, and I've got my globe. Yep, you got your globe. There you go. All right. Well, good. Okay, we're we're equally accessorized for this podcast. <laughs> we're global. We're globalized. There we go. We're okay. globalized. All right. Hey, and um, before we get into today's show, uh, we've talked about Danny Bonaducci a couple of times here on the show, and he had a, an illness that they didn't know what it was, and they took him off the air. He was on KZOK, the iHeart Classic Rock Station. And, uh, and, of course, he's the uh, former member of the Partridge family. That's where he first came to fame. But his undiagnosed illness has now been diagnosed. So they claim he has water on the brain. Right. And uh, so they're going to drain it to relieve the pressure on his brain. So, Well, I think there's, there's, there's good news to, uh, to this. I mean, number one, that he's been diagnosed. So, th- so hopefully this operation will be successful and, and uh, his life can get back to normal. But the other good news is is that is that they've actually found a brain in Bonaduce. I mean, you know, there were some of us who were wondering, you know, it's like, dude, you know, Bonaduce is pretty great. I mean, you know, I go back to the early 2000s with the Bonaduce at uh, Star 98.7 here in L.A. when he co-hosted the morning show with Jamie White. And you talk about a show that was a train wreck. I mean, that's all you wanted was just... No, I mean, it was a great show, great ratings. Bonaduce was the king of endorsements. People loved him. And then, you know, to have his career resurrected at KZOK, and he's like one of the top morning shows in the market up there, right? I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's massive yeah, he's done. There. He's done great for decades. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I loved his, his attitude. He says, Charlie Chaplin, Willy Wonka, Danny Bonaduce, I've joined the club of cool guys with canes. So, <laughs> so he's, uh, uh. he's got, got a... Got a good attitude on. Okay, we wish so him God the best. God bless Donnie and, and and or Danny, and let's hope that uh, the operation's a success. Absolutely. Okay, we're rolling, as they used to say from the TV control room. I don't. I, nobody knows what that means anymore. But you know, uh, Keith, we were never ones to say "I told you so." Well, that's not true. <laughs> but we have to say "I told you so" because the Tegna deal to merge with Standard General is, as you know, now dead. Uh, not a lot of AM listening these days, but Ford bends to pressure anyway. And everyone has a story about Tina Turner, so I'm going to share my story I, about I Tina don't. Turner. I don't. Oh, you have don't. Any Tina okay. Turner well, then I'll tell the story for both of us. Thank you. 
Good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant, our opinions, comments, and ideas. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver. And in California, sunny Southern California, except it's not today, June Gloom is my good friend, Keith Samuels, and co-host of Media Insultant. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning, Keith. We welcome you to the Wednesday, June 7th episode of Media Insultant. Okay, I got to start off our show today with a correction. I incorrectly stated last week when we were talking about Odyssey's uh, potential bankruptcy and what that could mean, which we talked about at some length. I was incorrect. I said the secured note was behind the bondholders in terms of security against the assets of Odyssey, and that's wrong. A senior secured lien debt is just that, a senior secured lien, and it's, it's senior to everything else. So the story remains the same. Either the bondholders or the banks are going to be taking over Odyssey if they go to through bankruptcy at some point, and that still remains to be seen. Uh, just different different people sitting in the chairs, Keith. That's all it is. So anyway, okay. wanted to clarify that before we got too far into this and got into too much trouble with our friends at Odyssey. Well, and then how does this change anything no, for Odyssey? It doesn't change anything. <laughs> Okay. It's just, you know, as as the Rolling Stones, or I guess it was the Who, said, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. You know, it'll just, it's not going to make any difference. Well, and and last week they announced their, uh, you know, their they, they filed that they want to do a reverse stock split, right? And Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. And it was like from one to two shares or one to 30 shares. I mean, a, a big range. And even at the highest end of that range where... 30 shares become one share, right? Right. And the stock price is at $0.04 on Friday, trading on the the, OTC. It's over the counter now. It's not on the New York Stock Exchange. And so 30 times $0.04 comes to $1.20. So this this reverse stock split could bring up their shares to $1.20, which gets them technically back on the New York Stock Exchange, but precariously close to the cutoff of $1 a share. Oh gosh! I just—it's uh, just—it's uh, a real heartache. It's a real, it's a real heartache, heartache for those guys. Yeah, yeah and uh, the only good news is the lawyers are going to make money doing all of that. I have no idea what the benefit is. David needs to, in my opinion, David needs to get the company in order, and then he can do what he wants with the stock. But yeah. Anyway, just wanted to clear that up uh, before we got into our first story. Um, <laughs> you know, our first story this morning. Thank you, Keith. Our first story is. Uh, a lot of people think this was really a political move, and the Democrats effectively uh, got the word down to the FCC to shut down the pending Tegna Standard General merger. And we felt bad about this deal from the get-go. We didn't. It's it's not that we thought there was anything wrong with it. We just knew this was going to run into a lot of trouble. Right. So, what happened, Keith? Well, the deal died. The clock ran out on the financing. Uh, from Standard General, who was also backed up by Apollo, due to the fact that the FCC requested an administrative review of this deal. And I think uh, it, was a, it was a way for the FCC to kill the deal without voting to kill the deal. In other words, by putting that obstacle in the way, and I think there's been only one media purchase that made it through the administrative review process in the last 35 years, uh, to successfully consummate, so right. basically, it's a it's a it's a it's an administrative um, move to 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 kill a deal without being on the record as we killed the deal. 
So, yeah, and it, so it did. It effectively killed the deal, and now Tegna, well, let's see, Standard General has to pay Tegna, what, a, a breakup fee of $136 million, and uh, both parties go their own way. But what was interesting about this is that even the week the clock ran out, the Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren was demanding further scrutiny of the deal, you know, and it's like, they're, they're, <laughs> why, why talk about grandstanding, you know, standing yeah, over about, the body, you yeah, know, piling uh, on. Yeah, t- yeah, piling on. But I think our old friend Byron Allen is probably doing a victory dance because, you know, he, he tried to buy it, but he got spurned. His deal wasn't good enough. Standard General and Apollo's deal was good enough uh, financially. But the deal, the deal didn't go through, and we'll have to see if, if Byron resurfaces and makes another run at him. Well, and if, if, if indeed Tegna puts themselves up for sale again, uh, right. there's going to be a complete reevaluation of the price these stations may be worth. Interest rates since that original deal with Tegna and Standard General, interest rates have uh, probably close to tripled. Yeah. The value of television stations becomes more and more in, in question. You can see the slow slide of all the television stocks around the country. And unless, unless that station's in Fort Myers. <laughs> well, there are some outliers, but uh, you know that has still to prove itself whether that was a good investment or not. But you know it's kind of crazy because for all the whining and gnashing that the politicians have about it, TV doesn't make much of a difference anymore. There's you know there's a little audience on news. I mean there's some, and you've got local and you know, but it's just it doesn't have the impact it used to have. And I, I think that you know their worry about this is the same as worrying about some guy controlling too many McDonald's or Seven Elevens. It's just who cares. Well, yeah, okay. but but it, it makes great news, and it makes great, um, you know, we're looking out for the public good, you know, it makes for great press, when in fact, the TV business needs to consolidate to be able to stay competitive, you know, with digital, uh, I was going to say with cable, but, you know, that's, that's you know, that's, uh, that's, that's got its own problems, but this wasn't a consolidation deal, this was just a purchase. That's right, um, that's and right. so that's what but. makes it even more weird, this wasn't two groups merging, it was just nobody wants to let any television stations get sold anymore, apparently. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yep, and uh, we'll see if uh, Byron comes back into play here. All right, you don't have an I can Tina Turner story, but I do. So <laughs> I'm going to bore everyone with my story. It's a great thing about having a podcast. You can tell people your story, even if nobody cares, you know? So anyway... This was back in uh, 73. I was in college. I was also a jock at uh, KCPX, the big uh, top 40 outlet in the in the market. And uh, I got recruited. I don't know how. I got recruited by United Artist Records to do record promotion, which I thought would be really cool. And it was. And basically what you did, you, you worked with other radio stations, primarily college stations, uh, retailers and distributors on UA Acts. And if a UA Act was in town, you took them to dinner or had cocktails with them or, you know, hosted them, whatever. And UA wasn't uh, one of the biggest labels, but it was a really up-and-coming label at the time. I mean, they had acts like uh, Traffic, Electric Light Orchestra, Johnny Ooh, ELO. Rivers. ELO. Oh, wow. Okay. ELO. And don't forget Asleep at the Wheel. And who can forget mm. Mm. the letter that Johnny Walker read. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, an, I'm a huge Asleep at the Wheel uh, fan. So, uh, yeah. you know, that, that uh, you know, that uh, good for that, you guys. UA, UA was their, their first label. Okay, so anyway... In the fall of 73, Ike and Tina Turner had a what they called a preview session for their new album, Nutbush City Limits. And all the reps from around the country flew into L.A. 
and it was a rainy day. I remember that. I, you know, I hadn't been to L.A. very often. I was just a kid from Salt Lake, living in Salt Lake, but I hadn't been to L.A. very often, and it just was raining like uh, like a rainy day in Seattle. But anyway, we headed out to Inglewood, got together, and everybody headed out to Inglewood, where the Bullock Studios are. Now, the Bullock Studios were built by Ike and Tina, and it was a stunning studio. Billboard Magazine, in fact, called it one of the most ornate studios in the world. It was just absolutely beautiful. So we get there, and the idea was that uh, the band would play some songs from the new album. Okay? Okay, sure. So Ike sits down at his piano. Tina comes out, takes kind of center stage in the larger of the two studios that were there. Other musicians were around the outer perimeter. And, I mean, Tina, man, talk about electricity. That that woman just was stunning. Her presence was electric. She was a little shorter than I thought she'd be, but because, uh, you know, I guess you, you see somebody on TV and you hear them and you just think they're bigger than life. But she was just amazing. And I got to say, like everybody else would say, if her legs weren't insured, they sure should have been. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Fabulous legs. Anyway, Ike was too cool for school. He sat down on his piano and didn't interact much with the, with, the, with the group that was there. But So they ran through maybe a half a dozen songs from this album. And I noticed that on Ike's piano was this bowl that looked like it was filled with sugar. And and we Powdered interacted sugar? with sugar, powdered sugar. We interacted with the um, with the band between cuts, and they'd talk about, well, this is a song we cut, and yada yada yada. And I'd see these guys go over and take these tiny little spoons and and uh, do a couple of candy. snips. Little nose and candy. I had this was I had no idea. I, just this dumb kid in college from Salt Lake City. That was my introduction to cocaine. And there was probably I don't know thousand fifteen hundred dollars worth of prime colombian le tutoire ah uh, the 70s remember <laughs> what a yeah, time that yeah. was so so jackson uh, are, are you admitting that you know the statute of limitations has run out on that did uh did the- <laughs> I, I, I no. I listen. I was nervous enough about uh, being in L.A. with all of these record guys and the band, and you know, I, I'm, I was 22 at the time. I didn't know anything, so okay. I was being very careful. I'd, I'd never done any experimental drugs at the time, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it was it was it was really an interesting introduction, and it was a lot of fun to see them live. They are they are amazing. So. So up that's close and personal story. with Tina Turner. That's an ama- that's an amazing opportunity. What a it was, unforgettable it was a, time. Yeah. It was an unforgettable time. It really was it was a lot of fun. All right. So that's my story. And our next one, Keith, is about Ford keeping AM radios in all its vehicles. And you know, I don't think this is about AM radio. I you know, I'm not sure your thought on it, but I think the whole thing and just just for background Ford had announced that they were going to drop AM receivers from all of their vehicles starting in the 2024-2025 year, something like that, right? Well, everybody flips out. The NAB puts a Depend on AM radio campaign together, and everybody starts calling their congressman. And it, it, it's an interesting thing about radio, Keith, because radio has is a, is a constituency in every congressional district, Right. Every single congressman has one or two radio stations minimum in their district. That's not true for the Potato Council or for the Record Industry or for the Peanut and Butter Council. And those are real councils, by the way. And so radio really swung into action, called their congressman, and Ford backed off. So 
for now. What do you think the long-term – exactly. That's what I want to hear. What do you think the long-term implications of this are? Well, and I think what's got everybody scared was that Ford uh, had taken out AM radio out of its electric trucks, its electric F-150s, and uh, the Lightning, you know, that gets uh, 35 miles range when you load it up with a ba- with uh, 20 bags of cement. But So this really got everybody's attention because Ford had already done it in one model, and they were doing it in the rest coming out. Uh, next year or the year after, you know, this is this is something where it's a combination of things. One is there, there, you know, AM listening is shrinking, obviously, aging out, and uh, you know, it's just left to be talk stations, uh, sports and political talk on AM, maybe some news talk stations. But what we're seeing is is that the, the big groups are kind of speaking out of both sides of their mouth. In my opinion, they're saying we've got to conserve AM radio, and yet. They're moving, they're migrating their big AM brands to the FM band, like, you know, KNX News 97.1 FM, you know, and now it's KNX FM. You know, it's like, whoa, what about 1070? They never mentioned 1070 yeah. on the air except yeah. on their legal IDs. And so we're seeing this in New York, we're seeing it in Los Angeles, we're seeing it in a lot of major brands. And if they're not migrating to the FM band, they're migrating to, oh, but you can listen to our show by, by uh, podcasting it. You know, you can go to our podcast app and you can listen on a delayed basis to whatever segment you want to hear. So if, if, I'm, if I'm Congress, I'm going, uh, how supportive is the industry of AM? This is, I think, more listener-driven response, and particularly in, in certain constituents, and that is people who, who like AM radio. But also, don't forget, there's a huge foreign language element of AM radio these days, because half the AM dial in LA is either Spanish, Korean, Farsi, Chinese. I mean, you know, it's where all, you know, my old sports station, 1540 The Tickets, Korean. And so you have these these, um, minor, these kind of foreign language minority audiences that have great content on AM. Are you just going to blow them out? And the same thing goes, uh, you know, for the agricultural networks. There are 1,500 AM stations that program agricultural reports, in other words, weather reports, all the things you need to know if you're a farmer that, that people rely on for their livelihood. So there's there's a lot of different constituents here than just the big groups with uh, dying AM stations, if you will. They're, they're opening debate uh, this week. They've already opened it, I, I guess, in, in, in Washington about this keep AM bill that they want up, that they want Congress to look at. And you and I spoke about this last week that we, you know, I kind of want the market to speak. I don't need, you know, the Congress to demand that AM, you know, be be in cars. But there's 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 some real, oh gosh, there's some there's some real important uh, elements on a on the AM dial that I think will really be severely affected if the um, if this if this legislation goes through. It doesn't go through. In other words, if through. they're not protected, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but here's here, here's the other thing that I look at in this, uh, and that is that I think the automakers are planning to offer subscriptions. They already are to all kinds of services. You know this from yeah. autopilot on Tesla to heated seats on your BMW to entertainment offerings. I mean, I, I think they're looking at this as a data, as a as a, a revenue stream, as an ongoing revenue stream. And radio, in some ways, might be smart to do a rev share with automakers. Say, okay, you put an AM/FM radio in, and you charge them twenty bucks a month or whatever, whatever they charge the consumer. Radio will do a split with you. I don't know if anybody's going to buy something like that, but uh, I, I think that 
I, I think there's a real move on the automakers to more and more make their automobiles consistent, subscription, revenue generators, regardless of how much they cost in the first place. So... Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a good theory. And I think that, uh, you know, hey, if you want AM radio, then, you know, uh, you're going to have to pay for it. But the other right. part of that is, is wait a minute, what, what revenue is there to share <laughs> from my AM station? I'm, I'm not sharing any revenue with, with BMW. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I know. You misunderstand me. I, I'm saying if they charge you as a consumer 10 bucks oh. a month for AM radio, part of it goes into some kind of a fund. I don't know. It's oh, just, you got it's it. A, to, pay back the, to pay the stations. Yes. Pay the stations, I, I, that, yeah. that I'm all for. There you go. Yeah, and for those uh, who still have an AM station um, standalone, uh, Fred Jacobs at, uh, I think it's called Chico Block, uh, has uh, an AM app that's specifically targeted for standalone AM stations. and You might want to check that out. Fred's uh, really a a very strong leader and advocate for radio in cars, and he's found good ways to do some workarounds if if that is the case. All right, hey, I got to ask you, because we didn't talk about it last week, What's the update on the Amarillo Sod Poodles? Oh, gosh. You know, we were talking about the, your buddy's uh, sports station in Amarillo and that the fact that they carry the Amarillo AA farm team for, uh, uh, oh, gosh, who are they? The, well, it doesn't matter who they're the farm team for. But it's the uh, uh, Amarillo Sod Poodles. Poodles, yes. And uh, sadly, they're in last place in the Texas League South Division. But they're still only four games out of first place. So hope springs eternal in Amarillo for the beloved Sod Poodles. But I was stumped. I had no idea what a sod poodle was. I go, what, what, what is, this is the weirdest name, okay? I mean, there's the Albuquerque isotopes, and, you know, there's the Rainiers in Tacoma, you know, named after the mountain and the beer. You know, okay, those, those, I make, but the sod poodles? So I actually looked up what the sod, what a sod poodle is. And a sod poodle is a, um, Upgraded name for a prairie dog. Get it? <laughs> so out in that part of Texas, they got a lot of prairie dogs. Okay, so they they have all sorts of names for these for these little critters that ruin your farmland and cripple your horses if they happen to sit, you know step in a in a uh, prairie dog you know hole hole right and, right yeah and then I oh. and then I was reminded okay oh yeah that's right they are that makes sense you know they're prairie dogs and I was reminded of the great Pixar short film called Bounden, which was produced, written, and voiced by the great Bud Lucky, one of the great animators of all time. And I have a prairie dog from that short film, the stuffed animal on my shelf over my shoulder, (laughs) that's actually from the you know, from the from the short where the jackalope comes in and, and cheers up the poor lamb who gets shot every spring. And it's it's a great short film. But I bring that up because the latest Pixar feature debut is is premiering this week. It's called Elemental. And Elemental uh, is the new movie. I guess it's a great father-daughter story. It's about the various elements and how they interact, fire and water primarily. And, uh, and the reason I bring that up is that my daughter spent the last year and a half working on that film, uh, managing uh, one of the uh, animation teams up at Pixar for Elemental. So... And she's coming down from the premiere tomorrow uh, at the Academy Awards Theater. I'm, sadly, I'm not her plus one. She's taking her mom instead. But uh, it'll be a big uh, big weekend for uh, for the Samuels-Gruel family. 
So do uh, one of the media insultants a favor and support Pixar's Elemental by taking the family out to the theater. It's only in theaters. It's not streaming yet. And that's my shameless plug for my daughter's movie. Man, that was a as shameless a plug as I've seen. And we, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we got to clip that and send it to Pixar and bill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got little it. revenue. There we go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, now next week, Keith, we want to talk about something that I find fascinating. I think uh, we're seeing cable TV throwing in the towel on TV service to homes. This is really kind of interesting. You know, we've always talked about cable TV and your ubiquitousness, and some of the systems are just going. You know, we're just not going to bother anymore. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah, and we're Me- and let's talk about the uh, change in leadership at Bonneville International up in the up in Salt Lake. Got a big got some big changes going on up there. We, we will do that. That's a, that's a really good topic idea. Thank you for the suggestion. We'll add it to the agenda, and we'll see everybody here next week. And, of course, Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. We do interim contract management for radio stations. And you can find the podcast, as you know, just about anywhere. Videos are on Vimeo in the Media Insultant Showcase. Drop a new show each Wednesday. We've been doing it for about three years, having lots of fun with it. And, Keith, I guess we'll have some more fun next next week. So Guaranteed, buddy. Guaranteed. Have a great weekend, Jackson. Talk to you soon. You too, my friend. Thanks.